communion is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And often when we feel separated from God, we don't share those thoughts with him. The enemy uses our failures to separate us. We disfellowship with God, and we go along for a while until we beat ourselves up enough to come back and realize, well, he still loves me. He hasn't changed. We need to remember more quickly nowadays because at, like that main word at the end of that song is, I believe. Our faith is to keep us in that constant connection with God in our communion with him and our fellowship with him. He loves us so much. He cares about us so much. I hope you feel excellent right now. I love after communion because we know the doors are open. We're connected with God. We can have fellowship with each other. We are washed by the blood of Jesus. This morning, I am, I think this is probably my sixth week. I know Dory took a week when I was in San Diego with my son talking about faith. I really feel like faith is an incredible topic right now for our church, and I'm hearing other churches have been doing different series and talks about faith. I feel like faith is so important because it's such a, uh, is so under attack. And so my message title is today is Jesus, Faith Author. Will you show that clip? The wire was 1,300 feet long. It was rigged between the length of the Times Square between two skyscrapers that were 25 stories from street level. The wire was anchored between number one Times Square at the south end of 42nd Street and two Times Square just north of the TKTS booth at 47th Street. The brother and sisters walked that wire on June 23rd of this year. In Hebrews 12.1 it says, the author of, of Hebrews writes, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our key verse for today is the next verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author and finisher are two points of which we anchor our faith. Jesus authored our faith. He was the one that designed our faith. But it's anchored in him. It's anchored in who he was, what he did by us even just sharing our communion, that he went to the cross. From the time he started his ministry, he walked a tightrope of faith in the will of God and what the word of God had prophesied about him. It was, it was a, a tightrope that the enemy tried to get him to jump off or to shake that tightrope when he was in the garden, to get him to second-guess his own human uh, desires. And he wrestled with God when he finished that walk of faith by going to the cross for us. But when he did, he anchored our salvation in eternity. When he rose from the dead, he showed Satan that he was the victor. Us, just like the Galindos, we have to have an anchoring point of our faith. 
And I'd hate to say this, but I think as life goes on for each one of us, our faith is going to continually be challenged. And he, the enemy, is going to try to shake the tightrope that we're walking, the race that we're running. He's going to try to mess it up and cause us to fall short of what God has for us. Our faith has to be anchored in Jesus Christ. I feel like my own faith this last month has been just getting increasing and increasing. I feel like I'm starting to get to this place like it, it happened to me probably, well, 30, about 38 years ago when I had been praying for that right person that God would bring, bring us together. And then all of a sudden, one morning, I felt like God said it was going to happen. And I was just so happy. It was like I already had met Dory. I feel like what we're believing for in this church, you see these empty chairs, I feel like in my heart I'm starting to get happy, like this place is full. Because it's the eyes of our faith that sees what God has promised come into pass. And yet everything that we see goes against our faith in what God has said to us. We are called to be anchored in Jesus Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's an individual faith. It's a faithful faith. It's a personal faith. In Hebrews 6, 18 and 20, it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. I hope that the tests that you're going through and the things that are challenging you are causing you to run to Jesus, your refuge. I hate to say that, but what really causes us to grow in faith is the opposition to our faith. It's the challenges to our faith that cause us to run to the refuge that we have. It's a refuge the world doesn't have and doesn't understand how great a refuge Jesus is. If you're in pain, are you in a struggle? Is something defying your faith and telling you God has left you alone? Run to your refuge, hold on to your promise, and wait for God. This hope we have is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner Jesus has entered, even Jesus having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We have the access to run to our refuge. God has made the way of the presence of God open to us, and we no longer have to feel separated in any way, even though our emotions may feel that at times, even though sometimes the grass has been stepped on. Don't go by that. Our emotions can change in a moment. And as we maintain our faith, we see our, our emotions getting, uh, being processed even faster because we know God is the one, and we know our, our emotions take time to become stabilized again. The Walendas had a had to concentrate while walking on the wire. Miss Walinda said that the wire was unusually stable from wires that she had walked on in the past. I tell you, Jesus is quite stable for us. In this unstable time, Jesus is going to be your stability. He's going to be your anchor and your rock. Even though the mind, your mind be swept with thoughts and your emotions be troubled that try to separate you from the focus of Jesus, your rock and your anchor. We have to have our thoughts anchored in Jesus Christ and who he is as we wait for our feelings to become stable again. God is our biographer. 
He's the author of our life and how it unfolds and the story that is being written and being written each day for us. In Psalms 139.16, a very familiar scripture, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none of them. We know that there's different authors are always writing new books. My wife is always reading novels with Christian uh, messages in them. And we have a, a lot of people have written historical books about historical authors. And a lot of those books are never, a lot of those books written are not from personal interviews from authors, but what other people have written about those. I'm thankful that we have an author over our life and over our faith walk that is personal. And it's not something that he's written apart from us, but he's written it because he knows us personally. He knows the way he wants us to go. He knows the direction that the enemy would want us to go or that our own flesh would take us because of fear of what he might say to us or might have for us. But I'm so thankful that God helps us to keep making the right decisions. And when we made the wrong decision, he allows us to make a U-turn and come back. In Psalms 139, 1 through 5, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Isn't it a secure thing to know that God knows everything about you? He knows everything you struggle with. He knows everything about your weaknesses. He knows your, your projected strengths and how he's going to use you. It's so comforting in a world where people are rejecting and hurtful and broken, that God knows you and God cares about you. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. There are times I'm very far away from God. There are times I'm very distant from God. And he knows that. And sometimes those times are the most hardest times for us because we know we shouldn't be far from God and yet we are. We live in a world where people are detached. People are broken. People have had such hard backgrounds and negative experiences that they're living lives detached so they can have some kind of uh, mental peace and security. But only in facing those things can we really be free from them and know Jesus as he wants us to be known. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. There's a secure thought for you when sometimes you're afraid to be on the road nowadays or go somewhere. He's there. He's with you. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. You have to grab that today. You have to know no matter what you're facing that God's hand of blessing rests upon you. No matter what the enemy's telling you, no matter what your circumstances are saying to you, God's hand of blessing is on you. And God's hand of blessing it resides over your family and all those are in your household. Psalms 139, 13-16 You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Everything that you may hate about yourself, you've been made uniquely by God. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I tell you, he's watching now as the Holy Spirit is reshaping you and retransforming you for your future, as he's setting you up to allow the gifts of his Spirit to flow through your life. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I feel like we were, I'm talking to you because this is our local church, but I feel like the body of Christ, I feel like every church is under incredible spiritual attack. Our faith is under strategic target of the enemy to be taken out and to take us out. In 2 Thessalonians 2.7, the Apostle Paul was writing nearly 2,000 years ago. He said, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And he, the Holy Spirit who now restrains, will do so. until he is taken out of the way. We know that day is coming when Antichrist is going to be on the scene that seems like the Holy Spirit will lift. And if we think it's bad now, can you imagine the increased demonic strongholds and demon demons being released who, who have been under chains of, in darkness uh, since the fall? But we're not to worry about that because the bottom line is it is the Holy Spirit that now is restraining Satan. Oswald Chambers said this, There are supernatural powers and agencies of which we are unconscious, which unless we are garrisoned by God, can play with us like toys whenever they choose. Do you ever feel like that? You're just being, you know, something spiritual is going on. You're just being messed with. The New Testament continually impresses this on us, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness that is in high places. That's Ephesians 6.12. All that is outside the realm of our consciousness, if we only look for results in the earth when we pray, we are ill-taught. A praying believer performs more havoc against the unseen forces of darkness than we have the slightest notion of. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, according to James 5.16. We have not the remotest conception of what is done by our prayers, nor have we the right to try to examine and understand it. All we know is that Jesus Christ laid all stress on prayer, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Satan and the demonic powers are like a dog on the master's leash. And the enemy is being held by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit uses us in our prayers because we are living in this earth. We're living in bodies that are underneath the authority of God, but also underneath a world that Satan is the prince and power of. 
And so our prayers are so vital in our communication with God to break strongholds and to continually see the miraculous happen. I was thinking about Jesus. Remember, before he went to the garden, remember he said, it specifically says to Peter, but in another one of uh, the Gospels it says, he was speaking to all the disciples. He, was, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And that's scary when you know the enemy's getting permission to work you over. But Jesus said, but... I have prayed for you. And when things have changed, or when you've turned, serve me. And we have to know that when we are assaulted by the enemy, God is involved with us. And there's something that works so deep in our spirit that causes us to rise up and stand against that satanic assault. And just like Jesus, when he was tested in his faith, and he went through the complete test. It said that Satan left him for a season knowing he was very frustrated that he couldn't get Jesus to change or come under anything that he was trying to tempt him with. But it was unique how Jesus is praying for his disciples and Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So no matter what you're facing or going through today, you know that you got your back covered and that your prayers are powerful as you pray. I want to talk about prayer a little bit. And this week, it says we pray or talk to God for a response. Excuse me, I know every time my wife talks to me, she's expecting a response. And she's a little bit bugged with me sometimes because I don't give words that good or that fast. And we're like that with God. You know, we want to hear from Him. You know, in our society, there's a real buzzword going on, and we can appreciate those even in our congregation who are first responders. The police, the firefighters, the paramedics, the people who are in hospitals are called first responders. It's a buzz phrase, first responders. You can't watch a news program where they're talking about the first responders. But let me remind you, because I'm coming from a very uh, prejudiced place. I'm a pastor. I want you to get all that God has for you. I want you to grow. I want you to be the strongest Christians that ever were on this planet. But I, here's my perspective. I have to say that God is the original first responder. God is omniscient, omnipresent. He's always on the scene. He's always ready for action. He doesn't come like he's shocked or surprised, but we have to keep engaging him. We have to keep calling on his name and bringing him, to our, him into our circumstances. You have to be aware that our God is powerful and miraculous. A verse this uh, last two weeks that's really been strong to me is like, um, Genesis 18.4. And I felt like when God said that, I, I could see him laughing when he said this. He asks, and this is that, kind of, that situation with Abraham and Sarah. He says, is anything too hard for me? Like, it's no big deal. Like maybe you asked somebody in your family or a spouse or something to do something, and you, to you, you're overwhelmed, but they're thinking, ah, no big deal. God say, is anything too hard for me? And we have to take that into our understanding. When we are facing mountains and strongholds and things that need answer or prayer requests that seem to be unbroken. Is anything too hard for you, God? The angel Gabriel said to Mary, with God, nothing will be impossible. Like, 
Take it easy, Mary. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have that child, but nothing's too hard for God. No big deal. Jesus said to his disciples when they couldn't cast out a demon, he said, faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved from there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. God is trying to ignite uh, overcoming faith. Not a faith I saw in the late 70s and 80s that was naming and claiming so that you could have possessions and wealth and all this. I'm saying something that we are learning from God because of our personal relationship from God, that we are growing up like children. You grow up, as they grow up, you give them the keys to the car at some point in their life. That we are growing to this place of responsibility and relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to begin to hand keys to us Keys that are part of the kingdom that are going to see things happen, that are going to be witnesses to people that they know that Jesus Christ is real. On Thursday morning, um, I got a call from Denise, I got a text from Denise, Denise Lamascus, and so I called her. And she began to unload on me. She was very upset. She said, you know, in 20 years, this is the longest consecutive time I've been in the hospital in ICU with Carissa than our hold almost, I guess she'll be, she'll be 20 years old this next week. This is the longest time. All my family are deeply affected. My husband has lost six pounds in this hospital stay. And she says to me, she's crying out. She says, where is God, Bruce? Where is he? So I'm just letting her talk. Letting her unload, letting her just decompress. And then at the end of our conversation, I said, let's pray for Carissa. Let's just pray. And we just prayed a simple prayer. God, you know what Denise is feeling. You know where Carissa's at. She needs a miracle. She needs something, something to happen. And... Uh, I, sent out a, I told her I'd send out another prayer request, and I talked to Laura on the phone by text, and Laura sent out another request. So I get this, uh, I get this text message back from her and a picture of Carissa a couple hours later. Carissa's up off the ventilator, breathing oxygen. And all I text Denise back when I go, God is answering Denise. You know, Laura and I have been talking, and when you are a person like her, who's, you're constantly taking overwhelming prayer requests, constant prayer requests, it can start to mess with your faith. Again, we are humans and we see things. But we have to not look at things. In fact, I feel like circumstances are going to look worse and worse before God does things and brings answers. And so we have to keep going by faith.